Hello, everyone. Welcome to the holiday episode. So for the Love of Books podcast featuring Indian small press authors with host Emma Polova. I would like to thank our sponsors, Doc Chavant and the Lowell Ledger, our hometown newspaper in Lowell, Michigan. Today, I will be chatting with author Herman Hunter, who will announce the details of his book giveaway of The Visit Stone at the end of the interview. Hello, Herman. How are you on this freezing day? Uh, cold. Well, warmer now. Warmer now? <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. Tell us about your journey from software developer to an author. That's quite a trek. How, how did that switch come about? Well, uh, back in about the late 90s, I, well, Mid '90s, I actually started writing um, software uh, articles for a software magazine, and that actually accumulated in the book deal. And so, um, so I got the writing itch then. And then, at one point or another, I decided I, because I'm a big um, devotee, well, I was a big devotee of fantasy uh, literature. I decided I was going to write my own fantasy book, and I wrote it, and uh, Gave it to my wife, and she did the read it and did the complimentary. It's it's nice, you know, and I took that as uh, I took that as uh, confirmation that it was great. Tried publishing it, and after about the ninetieth rejection, I decided that you know maybe it wasn't as great as I thought, and I put it down for a while. And then uh, at one another point, probably about twenty seventeen, I decided I was going to get back into writing again. So I essentially uh, picked, started writing again, and I revamped the book that I tried to publish in um, in back in the early two thousands, and the it 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 once again it got no traction. So I decided I was going to self publish, okay. and. Uh, there's in my next book, there's an actual very long forward, or I wouldn't say very long forward, but it's a forward that ex explains the whole process of how the Revenant and the Tomb came about. The Revenant and Tomb, uh, I was actually started in the midst of producing another book that I was going to actually sell. And uh, the end result was as I ended up publishing The Revenant and the Tomb before everything else. So I, I decided to push it out as a novella. So that's how I started. And uh, I caught the bug and I, the bug is still with me and I'm thoroughly enjoying writing and doing yeah. software. I do a lot of typing. And <laughs> I bet you do. Yes. All right. Okay. So what inspired this book? The Wizard of Stone. The Wizard Stone. Oh, the Wizard Stone. Um, well, one of the things that I... Uh, that I uh, I had a problem with is I, I I actually have a bunch of books already written. Um, they're all attached to a series, and they tell you when you first try to publish, don't write a series. Well, first I didn't listen. Then when I tried to write another series, another book that ended up being a series, I've come to the conclusion that I can't write anything without it being a series. So I finally determined that I'm going to write a standalone book um, that just covers one journey. And uh, so I started the, the Wizard Stone, 
with that intention. And midway through uh, trying to get another book traditionally published and making the decision to go to self-publishing, I figured I'd want to give away something in order to kind of drive interest in my writing. And so I produced The Revenant and the Tomb. Um, inevitably, that that marketing decision uh, was an absolute failure. And I've discovered that actually selling the book is smarter than trying to give it away. So I produced The Revenant and the Tomb, went back and uh, finished The Wizard Stone. And now The Wizard Stone coming out March 3rd of next so, year. So you finished both of these books in the same year? No, it's coming out next year, right? The Wizard Stone. Yes, the Wizard Stone is actually done. Uh, I've already gone through the copyright. I've, I've got a few hiccups in the uh, print version, which I'm tweaking. I learned a lot from The Revenant and the Tomb about how not to publish a book, or at least self-publish. So, uh, but actually, the, the, uh, the Wizard Stone is done. It's just that's when my release date is. Okay. So, All right. Who did you audio choose? What platform? Which publishing platform? Um, I'm using uh, both Spark and uh, Draft Digital. And actually, I do that for both The Revenant and the Tomb and The Wizard Stone. Okay. Could you give us a brief summary of the plot of The Wizard Stone? The Wizard Stone. Um, it is about a young wizard's apprentice who is being sent out in the world on a secretive mission. He, the wizard who he lives with uh, hires a bunch of a band of mercenaries and he pays them an, an, an exorbitant amount of gold to protect the apprentice, whose name is Odo. And um, pretty much from the outset, they're being hunted. Um, the journey goes, uh, it starts in a, an area of my uh, literary world that is more along the lines of like the Great Plains or maybe the, the, the moors of uh, England. Uh, there's some sea travel involved. And then when they get to the western coast of what's known as the Saring Sea, they then journey into a, a more of a wooded area all the way to the western shore of my uh, literary world to deliver this artifact that uh, he's been, that the, wiz the wizard's assistant's been uh, dispatched to deliver. Okay, what well, can you tell us about the protagonist? Who or what inspired, what is the person like? Um, you don't really know much about the protagonist because for the most part, he is unseen. Unseen. Um, yes, it, you don't see him till the very end. And the protagonist himself, as ties into a series that I've already started and half written. So the, I don't want to give, I don't want to give away too much because it's, it's part of, um, it's part of the climax. Okay. Uh, about, you learn more about, you learn more about the protagonist through the book. Okay. That's, that's all right. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I'm thinking, I'm thinking antagonist. I get, I get confused. Uh, no, um, what I can tell you about the protagonist, he's a young man, roughly 16 years old. Um, he is of a, uh, a, I would say, a race of people known as the Algonquin, which the name is inspired from Algonquin, which the Indian tribes of, uh, or the 
the, the family of Indian tribes of Michigan. Um, he is reddish. I describe him as having reddish brown skin. He uh, He's uh, very bookish, um, very sheltered, um, feels out of place where he's living. Um, and he's never really experienced the world outside of the wizard's compound. I mean, they've, they've made trips to a, a, a local village and, um, and that's, that's his, his experience to the world. So he's given a very harsh lesson about how uh, difficult and sometimes bloody the real world could be. So that's kind of, and there's a journey from these, from where he starts to where he ends up. Right. Sort of like growth arc. That arc. He, mm -hmm. he discovers a lot of the harsh realities of life. All righty. So what were some of the challenges in writing this particular book? Um, so. that, could, that could take a long time. Uh, the, the, well, first off, the first challenge was is that I had started this before I decided I was going to self-publish. And I stopped half, essentially halfway through the book. And then I produced The Revenant the Tomb. And then when I picked up um, the Wizard Stone a second time. Um, it it was it was a struggle to get back into the groove. When I was when I was writing the Wizard Stone, I had a groove going. I had you know I was putting out chapter after chapter after chapter, and I was you know I was I, I knew where I was going and what I wanted to, or what I wanted to kind of get out of the book, and then um, when the when I, I started back up again, it's like I'm switching gears. And so now I'm kind of off my game and I have to kind of figure out where I was going. In the end, however, um, the, 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 where I wanted the character to end up uh, benefited uh, from that sort of break, that, that time span where I came up with other ideas for the climax and the, the actual story itself and where the character finishes his arc. Okay, any surprises for you oh, wow. <laughs> when you were writing? <laughs> um, the, actually, the, 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 surprise, the biggest surprise that I had was, the, um, was, the, was writing the climax itself. The, the ending to, uh, I think, a lot of the action was very... I think it, it was far different than I imagined it. And I, I think it's a lot better, in my opinion. Um, it goes more towards the character and the situation he's in. Um, some of the characters that I fleshed out, um, I found that the, the mercenaries that protect Odo, the protagonist, uh, <laughs> they're not very nice people. Uh, they're, they're kind of rough and rugged, you know, sort of crude. And uh, you, after a while, you kind of begin to appreciate, you know, how they got that way. So it, that was a bit of a surprise to me as I kind of fleshed out the character. And, he, you know, as he started getting a little bit sort of, I don't want to say sentimental, but you kind of get attached to him, you know, as, as, the, as the story progresses. So, but I, as one, one of the surprises I did have, because I did have um, beta readers, you know, I do have beta readers in the process. And I was kind of surprised at how attached they were to the character, to the, the mercenaries themselves. 
So. Okay. All right. So what do you feel you did right? That you hit right on the nail that no one else could have done it like you. I really don't know. Um, yeah, I really don't. I really <laughs> I mean, until, until, I won't be able to tell you that until the reviews come in. If they're brutal, <laughs> then I guess I really missed that nail, huh? Okay. <laughs> what would you have done differently? I I don't think I would have done anything differently. Um, okay. I think it was, while I think it was a mistake to stop in the middle of the book, mm -hmm. again, stopping in the middle of the book and then picking it up and coming back with fresh ideas, I think was uh, far better. It, it ended up, I think, being far better than the original concepts I was talking why do you think that that it ended up better by stopping in the middle what would you attribute that to time to think um mm -hmm. okay not trying it's sort of mulling over the story and the characters and what i think would be a little bit more realistic the the ending i had envisioned had the uh the protagonist odo um a little bit more I think um, adept at his abilities. Okay. Uh, I think making him less adept and making the the ending the ending the way it was more surprising. Uh, I think played better into the and it, it just overall it played to the, the character the, the characters themselves and um, their motivations, at, at, especially at the climax of the book. So I, I it just. It's hard. It's hard to put a thumb on. You know, it's hard to mm -hmm. put a finger. Yeah. How about what have you learned about yourself from writing this book? Um, that I really like writing, and I want to continue to pursue this. Depending upon how bad the reviews are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I would change it on to that. Not necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, the thing is, is that um, the first book, The Revenant and the Tomb, the reaction, <laughs> the reaction that I received to it was rather surprising. Uh, it was my first book, and I didn't know what I was doing. And, I, and while I don't have a huge readership right now, um, I was kind of shocked by how people came and asked me, um, you know, so once a follow up and how they felt very immersed into the book. And I'm like, we can't get, when you're writing this stuff, you don't really see that. And so the, the thing that I tried to do, although, you know, I found this out later, the thing I tried to do is repeat it, or the thing I'm trying to do is to repeat that experience, you know, where they okay. feel like they're immersed in the book. Okay. So, so you got basically positive feedback? Overall, oh, yeah. from your first yeah. book, positive yeah. reaction. Okay, excellent, excellent. So, what are the go, go ahead, go ahead. The struggle I'm trying to do is to make sure that I do that consistently. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what are the major takeaways from the visit stones? Um, 
that uh, well, the first takeaway that I hope people get is that it's fun. It's a fun book. Okay. Uh, it's kind of dark in a lot of spaces and somewhat, I don't want to say graphic, but brutal. Um, the, the journey is not fun. It, it is, uh, Odo isn't, you know, there's this always this glamour for adventure and uh, Odo doesn't take it that way and really in the end it, nobody, you know, it's, it's not a very um, glamorous, I think a glamorous story. But in the end, uh, Odo sort of finds himself and uh, in, in the, the thing is, is that I think the takeaway from the book is this is kind of like a, a takeoff on um, how life you sort of get hardened and refined by life and the, the struggles thereof. Okay. And so, you know, it, it's it, you, things that the adversity sort of builds you. And sometimes even the worst things can make you better. Better. You, yes. All right. Would you do it all over again? The whole entire writing process in that oh, sequence. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I've already started on the follow-up to the Revenant in the Tomb. I intend on keep on writing until I can't write. Now. So. Any regrets? No. <laughs> like as far as most authors tell me that they would have preferred if they could have written earlier in life. You know, oh, yeah. I, I wish I had started writing earlier. Yeah. Um, well, I talked about that to my wife. I said, you know, I kind of regret mm -hmm. not, you know, I started back in 2000 and I stopped because I felt defeated. And I look back and I said, all those years I could have been honing and refining my craft. Yeah. She, she told me, she goes, you wouldn't, you would probably still, you probably wouldn't have been as good you probably wouldn't be as good as you are now if you had taken the time to sort of mature um so and i and i, I find like i can't disagree with that you know the, the, the thing about writing they say write what you know um the the life experience life experience means a lot when you're writing especially when you're trying to plan things out and think things through as to what the story you want to tell and the message you want to relay and understanding that you have to put the story first and some, and you sometimes the things that you want to say, you have to put behind the story. Right. The story. Right. Okay. okay. So, what is the most interesting or bizarre thing that has ever happened to you during an in-person author event? I haven't had a lot of in-person author events. So I haven't had a lot of bizarre things happen. To me. No, nothing. Bad. Nothing interesting. Nothing that stands out. Nothing that you will never ever forget. No. Or during a virtual <laughs> event, because stuff happens even during a virtual I mean, event. Outside of, outside of being stuck in a snowstorm, uh, <laughs> not nothing. Okay, so what's next for you in 2023? Obviously, your new book is coming out in March, right? Uh, yeah, starting the beginning of the year, um, I'm going to start the audiobook. Um, I, the, I'm going to try and do audiobooks for all of my book releases. I think that's that's uh, I think that's going to be a primary market for me. My the audiobook on the Revenant, the Tomb, has actually sold more copies of the paperback. Um, so, and I actually like doing audio. I have a 
great. I think I have a fantastic audiobook narrator. So that's that's upcoming. Um, I hope to have that ready ready to go by the time of the release. Um, I'm continuing to work on the Revenant, uh, the follow-up to the Revenant too. Um, I also have a uh, another another book plan. Actually, I have three other books before I actually get to the series that started all of this. And uh, one of them is sort of, uh, I would call it uh, takeoff. I wouldn't say takeoff, but very, very closely related to sort of Paradise Lost, or I would say inspired a little bit by Paradise Lost. Um, another another sort of a Revenant in the Tomb type of book with a different character that uh, I, I'm actually really kind of chomping at the bit to get at. And, um, and like I said, the follow-up for the Revenant, too, which is actually about 12 or 13 chapters in, and I'm hoping to pull off about 25 chapters. Okay. And I had one more question. You mentioned that you use elements of Christian beliefs. How do you incorporate this? Are you kind of like Dan Brown? Do you use it as symbolism or in what way? No, it's it's less symbolism. It's more um, the fundamentals. the The thing about that is, when I originally started writing back in twenty twenty, I had a lot of inner debate as to whether I wanted to include some of the foundations of my faith in my writings. And back then, um, I decided against it. After having after having thought about it a lot, done a lot of research into people like J.R. Tolkien and um, C.S. Lewis and mm -hmm. some reflection that I decided that if I'm going to write about stuff, I want to write stories that have impact. And the the thing that has always impacted me the most, and the thing that it, the, the stuff that has always sort of guided me through life was my faith. Okay. Uh, so, but I don't. I have a real problem throwing, you know, Jesus Christ into. A fantasy book because I think that sort of dilutes um, both the you know Jesus and uh, his message. But elements of my faith, like you know, the fundamentals of faith. Fundamentals. I have a book that really struggles. I wouldn't say really struggles, but really deals with a person struggling with faith. Okay. Uh, things like faith, hope. Um, you know the fundamentals of hope. Uh, miracles maybe and the stuff that drives people and the, the, the you know the, the elements some of the ele some of the more fantastical elements like angels and um, and God and heaven and some of those more fantastical elements I try to weave in through uh, stories um, I always try to uh, one thing about that is I always let the the story drive the book with uh, the those principles sort of scattered in um, my books themselves, the, the major religion in these is, is, is a singular religion. I, I label God as the All Father, um, which is actually uh, from Scandinavian, you know, uh, some of that's used from uh, Scandinavian lore. So I've, I've kind of fused sort of the naming of let's say I think it's Odin into God, although it's not not trying to merge the two. It's just using the name, um, but like in like uh, the Revenant, the Tomb, uh, the next book, uh, he 
he it starts out with him um, having a uh, a meeting with a creature I call the he- a herald, which is actually an angelic creature, and so it kind of el- weaves in elements of some of the Old Testament, um, ain- you know, the concepts of angels and heavenly creatures into uh, the fantasy, so it kind of makes it sort of homogenous with uh, biblical biblical concepts. How difficult is this to do? To weave these, uh, how difficult? I mean, I've been trying to do that myself to weave these principles into stories. Sometimes I find that difficult. Yeah, I I find it difficult. I try not to be. Um, I try not to disgrace what I believe in what yeah. I do. Um, I do it very, and I try not to turn people off who may not be believers of it okay. by over the head with uh, Bible passages. Mm-hmm. Um, rather kind of like deal with the concepts and let people sort of make up their own minds. Um, okay. I try, to follow, try to follow what Jesus did in that. In, I, I kind of called Jesus Christ one of the best storytellers ever. Right. Because his, some, of the, some of the parables that he made, like uh, the Good Samaritan, um, the the you know the, the, the story of the wheat and the tares and the prodigal son these are universally known and they really don't beat people over the head they simply tell a story that coincides with the things he's trying to teach and so I try to do the same thing it's, okay. it's, well, there are times that I really concerned that I'm going over the line um, and so that I think that worry kind of keeps me in check uh, I hope <laughs> I'm sure somebody's somebody's gonna jump all over me, but you, know, you, you try and do what you can. You're not. Yeah. I'm. I'm a flawed individual. So right. We'll we all are. We're human beings. Exactly. All righty. Would you like to read to us, Herman? Yeah. Um. Uh, this is my. This is the Wizard Stone. I'll read uh, a few. I'll read chapter five. Okay. Um. This is. This is actually, I'm having somebody, I think it's um, either chapter five or an earlier chapter. I put out a, a sample uh, chapter on my uh, YouTube website, or YouTube website, my YouTube channel, which is Herman P. Hunter's The Lore Forge. Uh, that should be coming up at the beginning, sometime at the beginning of the year. And we also uh, release an audio sample that I'll put up there as well from the audio and I can't remember which one I'm going to have the audiobook and the other one is the sample chapter. I'm not sure which is which. So you might get two chapters as a sample. But this is chapter five. So. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, just as a setup, Odo was with a mercenary called Enoch. He's a mercenary captain. He's kind of stern um, and imposing and kind of scary. This is Odo. They, they camp for the night. So. A puck of blue-gray stone scraped along the edge of the pointed steel as Enoch tended to the edge of his sword. A small campfire popped and hissed, defying the night's chill, painting the trees that encircled them with light. Enoch's silence was grim and unsettling. His intense focus on his sword troubled the young man. Exchanging an anxious night for an anxious day, Odo was unable to sleep despite the exhaustion of constant travel. In a contest between weariness and fear, 
it was unclear which would prevail before the arrival of dawn. At present, his nerves had the upper hand. It wasn't just Enoch and his sword that troubled Odo. The events of the day still weighed heavily on the young man's mind. Their trek brought them to a forest where they halted, Enoch demanding that Odo lay another one of his wards. This time, a ward that could kill. Odo protested at first, concerned that an innocent might unwittingly run across it. When he did, Enoch scowled. Rather, an innocent finds your mark in the dirt, and bandits find us unawares. Lay the mark, boy, or remain here. And it was clear by the determined expression of the mercenary's face, he would be true to his word. But now Odo sat contemplatively by the fire the strangeness of the wilds, pondering the consequence of his actions. Just beyond the fire's glow reigned the harsh dark of the night. Wrapped in his cloak, he grasped the hem of his garment, pulling it taut across his frame in an attempt to stay warm. The soft hoot of an owl sounded in the distance, a subtle reminder that they were not alone in the forest. Tall trunks surrounded them, like the legs of giants, great hosts closing in and yet remaining still as he could watch. Once more, or one more quiet scream rang across the steel of his sword as Zena took another pass with the sharpening stone. A sound Odo feared that might call some unwitting traveler from afar, one that might cause them to stumble over the deadly trap he laid earlier. It was an irrational fear given the distance that lay between the air and the forest fringe. Still, he fretted over the power of the wizard. Not excuse me. Still, he fretted over the power the wizard entrusted to him and the ends to which it had been employed. Use is contrary to everything Odo had been taught. That fact alone troubled the young man. Troubled the young man the most. Tell me, boy, how well do you know Sorry. Tell me, boy, how well do you know the wizard? Enoch flicked his thumb over the edge of his blade, testing the result of his labor. Odo's wide eyes looked up from the flames, curls amongst shadow and flame. Fear seeped into his expression, and the question was asked. His gut filled with an acute unease as Enoch honed his blade, asking questions that reeked of suspicion and hidden malice. Captain, you heard me, boy, answered Enoch, flipping his blade around, preparing to work on the other edge. His passionless eyes scanned the bright steel as he once more took up the clock of stone and ground it along the edge. The Magus is, is a godly man. That I know, answered Odo reluctantly. Words came off feeble and uncertain. Words came off feeble and uncertain from his tongue as fear began to clutch at his heart. Let me tell you what I know of godly men, interjected Enoch, rotating the puck slightly in his palm. He pushed it along the length of the steel in another pass. The stone growled and hissed as it tore away at the metal. The weapon may have been typical may have been a typical blade for a man of his profession. And Enoch sat there near the fire, his back against the trunk of a tree. The sword he held looked like seven feet long. Orange and yellow flashed and danced in the bright steel, giving the, the illusion of life. A long, terrible blade made for the splitting, made for splitting the links of mail. A wickedly sharp tip, finding the tender gaps of well-armored bow. Enoch tended it well. I was there in the War of the Five Princes, in the service of this King Merrick, another godly man, the man whom you are about to be delivered, 
Phoenix's voice was calm and absent emotion. Even as his words mocked the phrase Odo had used, he rotated the puck again and did another screaming pass along the length of his sword. I was there at the village of Forney at the groom. We took it without a fight and placed the villagers in a pen while we ransacked and looted the homes and stables. And when we were done, your godly men ordered the whole of it to be raised, everything to be slain, man, woman, child, ew and goat, dog, bullock, ox, and horse. Old women and suckling babies put to the sword, their bodies burned, the whole of the village. And when we were done, the puck screeched and screamed once more, Enoch's hand pushing pushing the sharpening stone spitefully across the steel. He ordered what remained ground he ordered what remained grounded to dust. He set to pounding the bones with hammer and stone, mixing them with salt and casting them to the ground. When we were done, not remained but ash, dust, and salt, as if warning were a ghost. Enoch stopped to inspect his blade once more, thumbing the keen edge, thumbing the keen edge as he worked the other side. Silence reigned as his attention turned towards the sword, leading Odo to wonder if he was preparing it for him. I know not of this King Merith. The gold of the godly men weighs the same as the wicked, Enoch explained, as his eyes never his eyes never lifted from the blade. And I care and I care little whether a man worships one god or many. Blood is blood, and gold is gold. And I aim to keep both in mind. Answer the question, boy. Perfect. Thank you. Could you announce the details of your book giveaway of the Wizard Stone? I, I don't think I announced the book giveaway. I just no doing a no. I don't think I have a book giveaway. Oh, you're not gonna do that. All right. How about your parting shots? You parting shots. Yes, parting <laughs> shots. Like, what do you want to leave our listeners with? Um, my book. <laughs> well, other than that, obviously. <laughs> I, 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 I try to uh, write books that people want to read. Um, I try to go back to, I think, some older roots and um, try and put in some more pulp influences. So I think that if you're, you're interested in that, um, I think my books might be for you. Okay. All righty. And my parting shots are read indie, buy indie, and write indie. Support your local authors, newspapers, and small presses. Keep your fingers on the keyboard and your butt in the chair. You want to one say something? Yes. Uh, one last thing. Um, I do have a Smashwords end of year promo. Um, I don't know how long that goes. The Revenant in the Tomb is half off. It's two ninety nine normal. It is, uh, I think, the dollar or dollar fifty uh, ebook. So, okay, looking for a bargain. There's one right there. Okay, well, that'll do it for us. Merry Christmas. Goodbye. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Thank you, sir.